Mom Talk Radio. We know behind every soldier, sailor, airman, and marine is the family supporting them. With over 200 episodes in 17 countries, over five seasons, with three million monthly listeners, we are Radio Strong. Now, here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. This is Sandra Beck, and I'm, I am so excited today because I get to spend an hour with Dr. Chris Costa. And, or I'm sorry, Dr. Chris. Oh, I knew I was going to do it, Dr. Chris. You're going to want to check her out at ResetYourStress.com. She is so amazing. She wrote this book called Reset, Make the Most of Your Stress, and I have a copy. And we've done a couple shows over the years talking about stress and some of the things that we're doing. And she has a new book coming out. And, you know, you can find Dr. Chris on the Huffington Post and Psychology Today. You know, she's really got it dialed in, really got it going on. And I watch her on Facebook and she is so much fun. Like she totally gets it. She's one of us. She is working hard. She's making it happen. And when you're a a solopreneur or an entrepreneur or a stay-at-home business or a work-at-home telecommuter, it's so important for us to have these conversations about uh, not only about stress, but about some of the other things we're going to talk to about with Dr. Chris, because they make us better. And when we know better, we do better and we do better. Our lives are so much more rich and full. But before we talk with Dr. Chris, we're going to give our message from VTech because I'm so excited and I'm so happy that VTech chose to sponsor our show today because they have this new four line small business phone system. Now I have one and it is a real good solution for the small business. It's affordable, it's easy to install, and it's got like a whole bunch of cool different things. It's got an expandable cordless desk sets. It's got these accessory handsets. It's got cordless headsets and speakerphones. And so you can really customize and grow this system along with your business. You know, when I got divorced and lost everything and I had to reinvent myself, when I put my business together, I bought a system and then I outgrew it. Then I bought another system. But this system will allow you to grow up to 10 extensions, which is really cool. And these these things register wirelessly, and you don't need a PhD to do it, but you also don't need to hire an electrician or a contractor to come in because anywhere there's power, you just plug these little guys in and there you go. Now, in addition to these things, there's some other cool features about this. There's an auto attendant for each line. There's a digital answering machine with mailboxes for each extension, full duplex speaker phones, music on hold. Now, this is so great because I get to put like the go-go's. I get to force people to listen to my favorite 80s music. And when I go on vacation, I make people listen to vacation Um, There's a power failure option, six-party conferencing, and this is a great small business package. And if you want to know more about this, you can go to Staples, you can go to Office Depot, Office Max, or what I suggest you do is go to vtechphones.com, that's vtechphones.com, and look it up for yourself because they have graciously brought us today's show. VTech, check out their four-line small business phone system. Woo! Okay, Dr. Chris, I'm so excited. Oh, just the just the name Dr. Chris makes me smile. We have had so much fun over the years on the on on these shows. I'm smiling widely too. And what an introduction. I'm both blushing and beaming and I'm just so thrilled to be here because as you said, I think stress is the number one thing that we're always thinking about. We're juggling so much. So I'm psyched to be here. 
Uh, well, Chris, I've got to tell you, you know, I get lots of books. I get lots of books from publishers, lots of books from, from, from guests and wannabe guests and clients. And one of the things that when I looked at your book, um, your first book, because you've got a second one coming out, we're going to talk about that. But I was not stressed out to read a book on stress. I can't tell you how much I get in the mail about stress and wellness for Coach Talk Radio. And you, you know, you have to this, you have to that. And you said, make the most of your stress. And that to me was something that really caught my eye because everything else is don't stress, stress kills, you know, and, and all this stuff that comes in, it just stresses me out even more. And now I'm stressed about being stressed. And yeah. When you said, like, make the most of your stress, this is like a single mom's dream over here in a company, stay at home, work at home, telecommuter company dream, because you really do when you either work alone or work in a small business or you telecommute, you spend a lot of time alone. And that alone time a lot is where that little monkey chatter in my head can yeah. take a small situation, blow it up into this big thing like getting a little article that says, you know, stress kills, and then you start stressing about stress. And I love the concept of making the most of your stress and using that stress, because we all have it. It's natural. There, it, I don't think there, unless you're dead, how do you have something that's no stress? It, and that's the beauty of it. I love how you put it. And I think it's definitely been just the subtitle of the book, I think, has energize people in the same way you just described, Sandra, because we're taught that like this alarmist mindset around stress and we've got to manage it and squash it and find this five-step formula that doesn't work for everybody. And what I found, I've been a practitioner for 22 years. Um, and so I've served thousands of people in my therapy room. I teach full-time now at a major university in Boston, Northeastern, woohoo. And you know, we, um, I'm always immersed in conversation with my patients and my students and with my friends and colleagues about what it means to navigate just the breakneck speed we're all contending with and, and to realize that it's not a moral failing on our part or a flaw if we experience stress, but we can actually do a lot to be proactive and to actually build our resilience around it. So that's that making the most of it is being able to say, you know, this is what's at hand. This is the reality. It's not going to go away uh, because I have a hot bubble bath um, that helps. But uh, we know the realities of today in this hyper competitive market and also the polarized socio-political landscape. Um, and the fact, I think, you know, like you said, there's isolation. So many of us are in the situation where we're working as entrepreneurs, where it's this weird groove, I think, of like you're out um, you know, with people a lot. And then there's, like you said, these isolating moments and it's, it's tough to sort of sit in marinate in your anxiety without strategic thinking around it. So I'm so psyched to be here and, and just unpack that with you and, and all your listeners today. Well, and it is, it's, it's, you know, and I would love for you to um, tell us a little bit about um, the book, Reset Your Stress, like what's in it? Why should people buy it? And then we're going to move on to your next book because I'm very excited to hear about your new book. Awesome. Thank you. So, yeah, so reset, you know, it really speaks to the point that you just made that, you know, you don't want to see some kind of fluffy pop psychology thing go on. And because I've worked so long in the mental health field, and I also, I think the fun backstory is that I also have a lived experience with clinical, clinical anxiety and depression. And so, yes, I'm a practitioner. 
I've got the letters after my name, the degrees on my wall. I've got the cute skirt going. I got the comfy couch and all that. But really behind all of it is the stories of all those who have bravely come to therapy to share and unpack their own stories. But it's also my lived experience. I have a wonderful daughter who's 21. She's a junior in college. I have an amazing son who is 17. He's a junior in high school. I became a mom at 21. I was super young. And so it was that starting of the family and the career and and just all the work. And so all of those things together really, um, and, you know, I'm such like the book nerd and, and the reader and my the librarians know I'm nuts, but I'm always reading incessantly because there's so much that we can understand with the breaking science that we have around stress and the techniques and the things that we can put into place that actually really set us free and help us understand, yeah, you know, you could have tons of anxiety and the two sides of it is that on one hand it can wreak havoc, but on the other side, you can become enormously successful. And many, many entrepreneurs and many professionals have that very same experience. So the book really helps anyone who I would define as someone who pushes hard. I also might define as someone who deals with perfectionism. Um, On social media, I have my byline as recovering perfectionist. (laughs) And really, it's for people that tend to be in their heads a lot and, and unpack things and dissect things in a way that sometimes gets to the point of rumination instead of productive thinking. So Reset gives everybody an opportunity to think about their own life circumstances. None of us are a cookie cutter, right? And think about what are the things that I could do to tailor and tweak, you know, from a behavioral standpoint, the small things make a big difference. So that's what Reset's about. It's about really trying to understand how normal it is and how in some ways healthy it is to experience stress, but also to make sure that we put things in place like lifestyle medicine, uh, which is a fancy way of saying self-care, you know, sleeping right, eating right, uh, the way we think, um, putting those things into place in a way that we can have maximum benefit. So that's the scoop on Reset. And um, it was voted motivational book of 2015, which was so exciting for me. Um, And I've been able to travel the world. Um, I've been all across the U.S. and across the world with this message, which I think is a very hopeful message that, yeah, we can suffer in in pretty intense ways. I never want to sugarcoat it, but there's a way out and there's help available. And we don't have to, you know, be fed the biggest lie that anxiety tells us, which is that we're the only ones because we're all dealing with it in our own ways. Well, and I think, you know, it's especially uh, important to say that, and everybody not only deals with it their own ways, but everybody experiences it in their own way differently. Like when my mom died, Dr. Chris, I thought my world was over. I wanted to lay in the ground with her and just evaporate into nothingness. And then I talked to a couple of friends that are like, oh yeah, my mom died last year. I didn't even know. And so, you know, everybody deals with things so differently and you do feel like you're the only one. I thought I was the only one until my friend Lisa came over and she said oh my gosh you know your mom died and she's like when my mom died and she starts crying and crying and I'm like oh you feel the same way I did and it wasn't that it was any better it 
or different. It was just, it was such a relief to feel somebody felt the same way as me. And doing hours and hours of radio, I realized, hey, guess what? There's a lot of different ways that people feel or deal with things. Some work for us, some don't. And a book like yours, Reset, uh, Make the Most of Your Stress, your 24-7 plan for well-being, I think is really, really valuable for um, anybody who is living and breathing because we all experience stress. Now, when we come back from the break, we're going to talk a little bit more about Dr. Chris and some of her techniques in her upcoming book and her her what she's working on because it's been a couple years since we've been on the show together. husband was laughing as he was reading about the differences between men and women. According to the article, men get single tusks or hiccups more often than women. Everyone knows that women are better at multitasking than men. I'm good at both multitasking and procrastinating, which means right now there are 28 things that I'm putting off until later. What's another word for a person who puts everything off until the last minute? A cunctator. Women blink nearly twice as much as men. And while men can read smaller print than women, women can hear better. In fact, when a woman says, what? She heard you. She's just giving you a chance to change what you said. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Have you ever considered dancing your way to fitness? It may be time for you to find innovative things to add to your fitness program. Variety is always good, not only for your body, but also for your mind. I want to encourage you to add aerobic dance to your exercise routine. Dancing has become so popular because of television shows like Dancing with the Stars. Aerobic dance classes get your heart rate up and sustains it while you work almost every muscle in your body. It allows you to let go and to release any stress that you're carrying while you get a fun and energetic workout. You don't need to be coordinated or a great dancer. Just step into a class or rent a DVD and let loose. Aerobic dance is a wonderful form of cardio exercise and a fun way to get in shape. I'm Annette Hammond. If you're a fan of Fitness Minute, like us on Facebook. Taking care of business every day. Taking care of business every way. This is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Dr. Chris. And you can find out more about her by going to kristenlee.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-E-N-L-E-E.com. And, um... You know, you can also find her at the real Dr. Chris. So the at symbol T H E R E A L D R K R I S. You can find her there, and you're going to want to check out this lady because. First of all, we have a lot of fun. We probably have too much fun uh, talking about stuff, but she's given me a lot of peace of mind. And Chris, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about today is 
you know, I was plucked out of obscurity and given this world-class Northwestern education. Then I go on to work for Disney and CBS and, and, you know, really everything was be the best. I went to Stephen Covey's leadership training program. I went to Salt Lake City for Franklin planners before it became Franklin planners and studied, you know, a whole week on how to be successful, how to plan and everything in my sphere of influence, including my times at Disney and CBS were filled with excellence, 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 be the best, be the best, be the best. You know, I talked to Don Shula, be the best. I talked to uh, Pat Riley, you know, the Lakers coach and the Chicago Bulls coach fan or coach um, from the, from the, the Bulls heyday, excellence, excellence, excellence. I even talked to Elton John one time at CBS and it was be your best, be your best, be your best. Well, what I found was that when I left all of that arena because of my divorce and I lost my company, I had to build a new company, I had to start over, I had two little kids, I was financially broke. The concept of excellence almost killed me. Mm-hmm. I was trying to keep my house clean. I had two kids in my office, one foot in the car seat, another hand jiggling the playpen because my toddler was in there throwing stuff around and I was hoping he wasn't going to eat a staple or a paperclip or you know any other thing that I had in my office floor. And I'm juggling, juggling, juggling because I had that excellence mindset and then it crashed. Like I had this thing where I could not stop crying. And I cried every day for like 66 days. And of course, I'm working from home and, you know, my mom's dying from cancer in New York and my whole family's there. So I'm by myself. Nobody's watching over me. I wasn't watching over me. But the concept of that I was no longer excellent really jabbed like a like, I don't know what it did. It just cut me off at the knees. And then. As I got it together over the 66 days, because I think at 67 days I made a pact with myself, I'd go get antidepressants or go talk to someone because, you know, I'm not good at asking for help, obviously. Um, But I I stepped up and I'm like, you know what? It's just got to be good enough. You know, the house has to be just clean enough. The kids have to be fed and clean good enough. You know, if I change their diaper and then I used to take the spray hose, you know, for the dishes in the dishwasher and I would turn my baby over his hand and I'd spray his butt with the dishwasher with warm water and he'd laugh and I'd stick the new diaper on and I'd go back to work. And, you know, they survived. Nobody died. Nobody got like, you know, some weird infectious disease or cholera from my sink. And, um, but I used to have to cut these corners. Like when my kids were in, in high chair and, and playpen things, I'd, I'd make this dinner and the kids would throw stuff all over and I'd bring in the dogs and I'd take the kids out. I let the dogs lick everything up. They licked that um, playpen and they licked the, the high chair clean. And I would go like with a can of Lysol, like spray, 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 spray. And there were so many places that I had to be just good enough. And I finally got it in my head that, you know what? Maybe perfection, maybe excellence, maybe that whole message that we're giving, go, 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 do your best, do your best. We can't. We cannot do our best in every situation. We cannot, or well, we, I guess we can do our best, but we can't be the best in every situation. Excellence can't be a thing you wake up every day and do. Can you strive for it? Yes. But I didn't show any kindness Dr. Chris, not an ounce to myself during that time of how hard, what it was going through. But then I have this flip side thing that goes, well, if I if I didn't believe in excellence, Chris, if I didn't strive for it, would I be where I am today? And so I get mixed up between that mindset of everything has to be excellent and 
now I've kind of pendulum back to the middle of going, you know, good enough is what I shoot for. I try for great. It's amazing when excellence happens, but I got to keep it in check because not everything we can do in our life can be excellent. I, I think, you, you know, that's like the anthem of today, right? And it's this whole notion of gulping down that Kool-Aid of performance. And I, I think what you, re- what you just said was so profound. It's this idea of how do we strive for excellence in a way where we're not finding ourselves so fragmented and so depleted and burnt out. And I think one of the beauties of my professional life has, you know, when you're, when you teach, you know, as a professor, I always say that it's the students that teach me so much. And and I learn from them more than I could ever teach them. And my students happen to be adults. They're working professional adults. Uh, They, they have a whole range of life circumstances. Some of them are coming back for advanced degrees Some are coming back. Um, They've been at home with their kids for a while, and they're coming back to the classroom. So what happened, Sandra, is that, like, they were, like, I think you and I were two peas in the pod. Like, exact, you know, I have my 66-day story, too, and just sort of this whole thing of having trouble figuring out how to cut corners, how to be self-compassionate and kind to myself. So what happened was, as I started to teach my students, is that, I started to see like this, this thing happen as they talked about their stories. And it wasn't that their stories were absent from challenge and difficulty. Um, but what, and I saw like the classic, if you don't, you know, the, especially my grad students, they're like the heady always on, like got to hit it out of the park, no matter what type of students, like they're early for class, they stay late. And, and I absolutely love them. And I think what I started to see was that they had to come to a point of resolution in their own path and be able to embrace the messiness and the chaos and the good enough. And to be able to say, you know, I don't have to hit out of the park every time in order to be okay. And one of my students said to me, Sandra, he said, you know, Dr. Chris, I'm so sick of having to jump through all of these hoops. And that was like one of those goosebump moments, right? It's like, you know, It's so true. It's like, you know, today we think we have to have the Kardashian rear end, our lips and our salaries and everything else. They're never big enough. We're never good enough. So we've got, you know, the social media, the the feeds that we're always um, confronted with. And then, you know, there's a hyper focus on grades and performance. And of course, the global market is bearing down on all of us. So there's realities, you know, you could pay a bundle to get your education and then be biting your nails to get a job. So there's sort of this like tension, right, between the realities of having to bring oneself to task and wanting to strive for the best you can do, but also not then internalizing in a way that it becomes so perfectionistic. And that's the part that makes people, I think, eventually get sick. I myself, ironically, when I was getting my doctorate, I, I think you've, I've told you this story, I was researching stress and burnout. And guess who became her own case study? <laughs> so it's it's like that easy thing. And I think, again, it's that highly conscientious person. Again, and, and I know you're in a sandwich generation situation where you take care of your dad and your kids. And, you know, many of us are in that situation. It's like we have so much to look after. We almost just get more perfectionistic or less apt to take care of ourselves. And that's a real trapping of, of society now that we have to be I think, you know, we talk about skills, right, all the time and work and school. 
But I think one of the skills we need to learn is just being real and being able to say, this is what my threshold and limit is, and I'm okay with that. I mean, we're almost expecting ourselves to be robots. They say that we take in the equivalent of 171 newspapers a day, and the World Health Organization says by 2030 that lifestyle illness, so stress-related illness, is going to trump communicable disease. So that's, you know, we used to be scared we're going to catch illness. Now it's the stress that's eating away at us. So absolutely, we have to rethink the perfectionist mindset. And I, I want to tell you a little bit more as we get going on the study and just more of the disruptive moments that were turned out to be a really good thing um, that helped me rethink my own perfectionism and to help my students and those I serve do the same. Well, and Chris, it's everywhere. Like, you know, the other night I was on Pinterest and, you know, it's taken me like six years to perfect the perfect office, you know, and I had it designed by a closet company and I would pay a little bit at a time and we'd build little parts of it. And then I get on Pinterest and it's like, oh, well, this is the better way to do it. And everything is always better, 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 better. And I'm like, I have a gorgeous office and I have a, you know, beautiful sound studio and it's convertible. So whether I'm doing tech work or I'm doing radio work and you know, it's all these things. And, you know, Chris, when I first started my company, I sat in a little white room in my house. It's the maid's room, like, you know, or closet, if you want to call it that. And I had a little old desk. And then I had my computers on, like, these folding coffee tables because you couldn't bump them or they'd fall over. Mm -hmm. And then I had a playpen and a car seat so I could swap my kids back and forth so they wouldn't chew the computer cables. <laughs> and I did just fine. Now, I have all this luxury now, but... The the fact of the matter is every magazine, every website is always showing beauty, beauty, better, better, thinner, taller, bigger boobs, better office. You need this office supply. You know, you need this printer. This computer will make your life easier. I mean, we are just bombarded at every turn. And don't even get me started on the parenting stuff that's that's presented <laughs> for us. Um, but I think it's time for everybody to say stop. It's it's time for us to go, okay, I don't need this. I don't need my fourth Fitbit. I don't need my sixth calculator, though I do like the one with the diamond buttons, Chris. I have to tell you that. Like, that one makes my day. And I have a cup made by my kids that I use as my pencil cup, and I have my Snoopy cup from, like, 1978 that I love <laughs> sitting here. And it has taken me a while to relax, to go, you know what? My office is here to work. It's not a showpiece. I'm not here selling anything, Chris. I'm producing radio. I'm producing multimedia. You know, I'm a tech nerd by nature. And I'm sitting here in my L.A. Dodger T-shirt and my cutoff jean shorts. Like, why do I feel like I need to live in a magazine? And, you know, I want to give everybody out there permission to put your face cream or your magnesium on your counter, to leave your staple there. And if the top is off your BIC um, whiteout, you know, multipurpose whiteout thing, your world's not going to fall apart even though that's the media message that we're getting. Now, I'm here visiting with Dr. Chris. We can find more about her. She is the author of Reset Your Stress, and it's a great book. I encourage you to pick it up. Uh, we're going to come back, and we're going to talk more with Dr. Chris about this and many other things that stress us out.
Man cannot live by bread alone. He must have his peanut butter. Peanut butter is a pate of childhood, and it's not just for kids, as dogs love it too. Last night I gave my dog a pill hidden in peanut butter. What's a word for a messy concoction that helps the medicine go down? Sliver sauce. Mice apparently prefer peanut butter to cheese when it comes to luring them into the trap. But there are even more practical uses for peanut butter. Peanut butter contains natural oils, which makes it perfect for removing all kinds of sticky things, like gum stuck in your shoe or in your hair. What's a word for the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth? Arachnophobia. And according to Barry Goldwater, if you don't mind smelling like peanut butter for two or three days, peanut butter is a darn good shaving cream. It's marching down. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. Looking for a nutrient dense food that is low in calories and high in vitamins? Look no further than spinach. It is an excellent source of more than 20 different nutrients, including dietary fiber, calcium, and protein. And yet, one cup has only 40 calories. Spinach is known to fight against many cancers, including mouth, throat, prostate, and ovarian. It neutralizes free radicals in the body and thus helps to prevent cancer. Livestrong states that a study of New England women showed less breast cancer cases among those who ate spinach on a regular basis. Serving spinach raw in a salad is excellent. Or serve it steamed with a little pepper and balsamic vinegar. Spinach is an excellent choice for nutrition without high calories. I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. Taking care of business every day. Taking care of business every way. Hey, guys and dolls, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Dr. Kirk. Now, Dr. Chris is an expert in stress, and we've been talking a little bit about the cultural ramp up, especially with, and I love Pinterest, don't get me wrong, I love to sit and look at Pinterest, I'm, I'm, I'm lately studying, I've got to go to New York in a week, so I'm like all excited going like, how do I pack my best, and I, I've got a new suitcase that's going to look right like the picture, Chris, and I even went out and bought shirts that match what they said the mix and match, but this time I did it only because I saw the value, I'm like, if I can just carry the carry on like it's so much less stress for me and when I saw how they mixed and matched outfits like one pair of blue jeans one pair of black pants and you know three shirts a white a gray and a tan and then a couple scarves and then a navy blue blazer that matches everything a little navy blue pencil skirt one pair of boots one pair of shoes travel in my sneakers like to me that was brilliance in action and it was a little bit stressful for me to find those things, but I know that the end result would make my travel perfect. And I did this last year when I was traveling, you know, for my work, I had to go to some of the greatest cities in the world and I needed to get everything into a carry on because I wasn't going to lug everything. Uh, Dr. Chris, I, I can't, I can't do that anymore. And so I studied these things on Pinterest and I put a system together. And now when I go to hot climates, I have in my closet, like, like that whole outfit thing put together, but, but, and I don't wear it. I don't wear it. They're, they're my travel clothes and they fit in my suitcase and they fit in my carry on and it's taken so much stress out of things. So I don't discount the value in some of these things, but I do 
have to remind myself not to get sucked into the perfection aspect of it, to the excellence aspect. And so as as part of a nod to today's show, I went on Amazon and I ordered a three-pack of T-shirts, a white, a gray, and a tan that were, you know, reviewed by people. And they're going to come in the mail and I'm going to wear them. They don't have to be perfect. They're only shirts that wear under a sweater or a blazer with a necklace and a scarf, you know. They don't have to be perfect. And that was a big deal for me because I would be there like with the fabric and I didn't like the V-neck cut and then the hem on the arms were wrong. And, you know, it got to the point where I was driving myself crazy over things that didn't matter. Mm -hmm. I can look good enough and you know and we're talking about stressing over an undershirt that you wear under a blazer, (laughs) you know, not not the outward things, but we can get that way. I think there's so many, it's such a great example, like that can serve as a metaphor for when you realize that, you know, there's too much time being invested in thinking about something that really doesn't matter as much as we crack it up to be. And then you say, you know, I got to rethink this and reconfigure and set myself up in a different way, just so that there's greater ease. There's greater fluidity in what we're doing. And I think uh, one of uh, a dear person um, to me is Ariana Huffington, and she's done so much work in terms of her sleep revolution and her her, uh, Thrive Global initiative. And uh, she came to Boston not too long ago and said, I thought it was really interesting. She said, you know, I've been repeating my outfits like she, you know, as someone that is obviously well-traveled and well-off. She can design something new every day, but she started to like Instagram it and say like, this is like a repeat outfit. But her point, not, not a, you know, your point and her point isn't, isn't just like a literal thing and a, a thing just around clothing. It's just really getting down to what could we change in our lives that we make more complicated than we need to. And again, I think it goes back to that greater societal point where information comes at us so fast and we just, we put those high expectations on ourselves. I know for my students, beyond just some of those like basic layers, there's a lot more deeper things at at hand. And I think to me, one of the greater tensions in society is sort of this whole notion of um, like whether someone's educated or how many, you know, just that whole piece about so-called success. And that's another piece of the research and the writing that I'm doing now is to really rethink that, to really understand that, um, you know, like our identities, whether it's because of how we look or what we say we do, you know, or our affiliations, it could be a religious group, it could be our cultural group, our gender, but those affiliations even sometimes give us a false sense of self. And then as you kind of get down to those deeper levels, to those heart levels, to really understanding the fabric of our souls, if you will, then we discover that we've got to be very careful about what we buy into. Um, And one way I've been writing about it lately is I call it the puppet myth. And I had written an article um, on the Huffington Post recently that said why I'm giving up my life as an undercover Muppet. <laughs> and I used to love the show. I used to watch it every Friday night growing up, popping the popcorn and, you know, who doesn't love the Muppets? But it's that whole thing of, you know, who do you give your strings away to? And, you know, we're doing all the singing and dancing and performing, and we think we've got to be in the, the lights all the time. But then underneath, behind the curtain, we end up crumbling. We end up marinating in a lot of self-sabotage and that's something I've been reflecting a lot in my own process is that um, 
and people wouldn't know it if they saw me, but I, I, I have a lot of self-sabotage and a lot of like hate, almost like inner hatred, almost the sense of like never being happy. I, and I think that sometimes we're raised in ways where we think life is transactional. So it's like all about like, you do something for me, I do it for you. Or if I, if I get this letter grade or if this happens, then I'm good. And if not, and that's actually called contingent self-esteem. And contingent self-esteem, which again is very much part of that performance mindset, is is just so dangerous, and it just leaves us. I think you know there's a, a direct connection to why you know we're the most addicted and obese and medicated group ever. You know, I think we're just numbing out because it's so painful to have to contend with these pressures of our identity. So it's this deep stuff that whether again it's like the color lipstick we have on or like. Again, you know, how many, like when I first came into higher ed, I was telling my students this the other day, I met a colleague, right? So she had a resume, they call it a CV in academia, right? It was a hundred pages long and mine was nine at the time. And I thought I was like, all right, you know, I'm doing well. And I'm like a hundred pages, this is crazy, you know? But I think it's that whole thing is no matter what level we're at, we can end up hitting plateaus and being very dissatisfied in what we've produced, you know, it's this production oriented world. And I think the, the thing that I want to say to everybody and the thing I would want everyone to take away from this conversation is that the greatest gift that you can give yourself is to unlearn what you've once been taught. So I believe, again, when it comes to learning, whether formal education or outside the classroom, which is often where we have the most transformation, it's about unlearning those really unhelpful things. It's about ripping up that script. It's about cutting those puppet strings and looking beyond and seeing that there's a better way to live that doesn't leave us with these kind of cut up and bumped and bruised souls where we're just not whole and we're just not well. Well, and Chris, I want to support you on this because one of the things that happened, you know, I grew up near the Canadian border in a real small town and, and, I never thought there was anything wrong with me, really, until I moved to Los Angeles and I worked in the entertainment industry and I worked in Beverly Hills. And I didn't think like I never thought about my nose being too big or too small. I never thought about my eyes being too round or too close together or too far apart. And, you know, I would have a lot of fun with the makeup artists at Disney and CBS. Like sometimes I would go in and do some extra work, you know, just because it was was fun. And they would be like, oh, if you do this to your eyelash is if you do this, your eyes will appear farther apart. I'm like, oh my I, I didn't like I didn't know they were close together in the first place. And and um and I had this thing that I, I'm gonna share with you and you can share with your students because it was it was my bikini moment and it, it, it has has formulated my bikini theory because every uh Saturday morning I would go to Nathan's bagels out here when I first moved here and I had a typical upper east coast blue tank bathing suit. It was great. You could swim, you could surf, you could sit on the beach, it wouldn't ride up, it covered everything and we were fine. <laughs> and I like to have with my friends that my roommates and my other friends, we'd all sit down and we'd lay out on these blankets or towels and we'd get Nathan's bagels. It was so much fun, Dr. Chris. Like I still smile at those days. Now here's where the bikini theory came in. I am smiling right now because I'm in Boston and it's freezing. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, so because I'm going to ask you to deconstruct my bikini theory after we come back from the break. So I'm laying there, and my two friends who are typical L.A. girls, they're like, Sandra, you need to get a bikini. And I'm like, well, why do I need to get a bikini? And I had a rockin' body. It wasn't that I was ashamed or anything, but I like to do other things at the beach. And my girlfriend, not girlfriend, but my female friend looked at me and she said, well, you need to tan your body. You need to tan your tummy. You need to tan. She's like, your bathing suit kind of comes down over your hips. So you want your legs to look really long. And she's like, you really need to tan your arms and legs. And I looked at her, Dr. Chris, and I said, I have a boyfriend and why would I tan my arms and legs? It's only the white parts he's interested in. Truly. <laughs> and they looked at me like, are you freaking kidding me? And I'm like, you know, if a guy meets you, he's not going to go, gee, your feet are tan, your toes are polished, you know, your arms are the same color tan as your neck. He's going to want to know about the white parts. And I'm not like, you know, just, you know, breaking us down to base things, but it, it got me thinking about are we focusing on the things that are really important to us? And are they, we focusing on the things that matter? And I tongue in cheek jokingly say like to men, like, you know, boobs and butt matter. You know, they want to see the white parts. That's what they're interested in. But it, it was like a greater allegory to, to our society that we're focusing on all these things, but we're really not, we're not getting down to the real deal. We're not, you know, does it matter that I have, tan arms and legs or does it matter that I have a giant heart a good personality I'm loads of fun and I could care less what you drive like you know all these things got mixed up in my head and I did buy into a lot of that mentality of we got to tan the body and not worry about the white parts mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, it, again it's just it's we have to really deconstruct these messages on so many levels whether it's body image or it's levels of attainment because they just become so damaging. And I think also it's just a waste of time. You know, it's like superficial. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. And instead we could harness all of our energy to, for something really much better. Well, and that gives us much more fulfillment because guess what happens in October when it gets cold in Southern California, unless you go to the tanning salon, it all fades. And then it's 20 years later, West Coaster. <laughs> yep. 20 years later, I don't have wrinkles and, and my skin looks great and my friends look like saddlebags on the back of a horse. So, you know, go figure. It's all good. So uh, when we come back from the break, we're going to talk more about focusing on what we need to so we can be happy. the United States Postal Service successfully ships over 160 billion packages and letters with bills traveling through the mail at twice the speed of checks. Automated sorting machines read zip codes and directs the mail to the proper destination. But last year, they failed to read some 2.4 billion pieces of mail, all because of cacography. That's bad handwriting. So what happens to all that errant mail? 
The post office hires more than 700 postal clerks to decipher the most difficult ones. When a sorting machine discovers an illegible address, it scans and sends a digital image to the clerk's computers. Amazingly, the average clerk can crack the code in just three seconds. Not everyone can keep up, though, as management at the post office is always pushing the envelope. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. With Christmas dinner around the corner, it's time to make a plan to not overeat while still enjoying your favorite foods and the wonderful celebration. If you find yourself at a party or dinner, remember to save your calories. Appetizers can really add the calories up, and the next thing you know, you are overindulging. The average turkey dinner is 3,500 calories, which translates to one whole pound for one meal. Don't let mindless pre-meal eating sabotage your efforts to stay nutritionally sound and to keep your eating light. Think before you pop those bite-sized appetizers into your mouth. Unless they are so good and you are willing to skip something at the dinner table, it's best to bypass the appetizers. Save your calories for the special dinner so you can enjoy your favorite foods. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Taking care of business every day. Taking care of business every way. Hey, guys and dolls, this is Sandra Beck, and we're visiting today with Kristen Lee. She is a behavioral science author and speaker, one of the women that always makes me smile. We have too much fun together. It doesn't even feel like work. And she's here with us today to deconstruct some of these myths that we've been fed. You know, we were, we've been told, talking about the excellence myth. We've been talking about the body myth. And one of the things, uh, Chris, that's always really funny to me, and you probably got this when you traveled a lot, wasn't it interesting to you to see what the business style was in different parts of the world and different parts of even our own country. Like when I go to Hawaii, the style of dress is obviously very light and open. The business meetings feel very light and open. When I go to DC or New York, I, I wear different clothes, um, obviously because of the weather, but, but it's a whole different style of how women and men dress for business. And it's always so much fun. I do a lot of consulting in the, uh, it sounds funny, but the firearms and aerospace industry. And, uh-huh. you know, we talk guns and we talk, you know, regulations and we talk, you know, products and we talk customized Glock. And it's so funny because I sit in these meetings, Chris, and usually I'm one of the only women, but if I am in there with another woman, I'm the only one with like big blonde hair, a giant smile. And, you know, I picked off seagulls when I was growing up to keep them off our raft. And that's how I learned to be a, you know, a a sniper crack shot. And it's so funny to me because we can be anything today as men and women, men can be nurses, women can be uh, firearms specialists, you know, in technology. And the blurring, you know, when I go to New York, I go to LA, I go to Hawaii, I go to Germany, I go to London. And there's so much um, merging now. It's, it's almost like advertisers and sponsors are clamoring 
for us to fit a mold to sell a product when they really should be appealing to our core sense of self and what we need. And I know there's some good advertisers out there like VTech who sponsored our show today, who really put a lot of thought into this engineered phone system for really what we need, making it affordable, making it portable, you know, and compatible, all those good things. But we're like, with the internet, with the influx of information, who do we turn to? You know, when I was growing up, when I went to business school, haircuts were a certain way, skirts were a certain way. I worked for IBM and, you know, had this awful business suit. And then I took it to a tailor and had it tailored to fit me. And my boss almost had a stroke. And, you know, certain industries are more forgiving than others. But where do we turn, Chris? Like, like to me now, I'm getting stressed out going like, I have my New York outfit. I have my Hollywood outfits. I have my Hawaii outfits. I have my London outfits. You know, it's it's almost impossible today with the internet and with the mixing of cultures and, you know, not just, you know, cultures of, of countries, but that's a big part of it, but cultures of business. I went by SJ for the longest time in technology. People didn't know if I was a man or a woman. Mm-hmm. It's really confusing. Well, I think you're speaking to something that is really important for us to think about a lot. And, you know, I think that the millennial generation, it kind of becomes a cultural punching bag, right? Like you hear like these kids are so coddled and it's the bubble wrap generation. And, you know, they're not just lactose intolerant, they're life intolerant. But I think beyond some of that discussion, the millennials are really helping us to be thoughtful in new ways and to really reject binary construction. So like that's talked about in different ways. But what I mean is, you know, we think you either have to be one way or the other. And, you know, my dad is kind of famous. He used to say to me, oh, like, you know, professors never look like you when I was growing up. And I'm like, yeah, there's a whole there's a whole pretty deep rooted reason for that. But it's so, that idea, you know, like, can you be attractive and can you be smart or could you be, um, you know, strong and yet sensitive? So I think in general, the millennials are helping us to say, you know, like these constructions, like putting people in a box or saying you either have to be one way or the other are just not very helpful at all. And at the end of the day, we have to that's a big part of the perfectionism is being able to march to your own beat. Uh, to be able to rethink those types of constructions that, again, just aren't really, I think they they fail us because they don't capture the beauty of our human essence. Like there's so much to all of us. And that's the thing that I think my work and my teaching has taught me. And, you know, I tend to reflect a lot as a person too, and, and really strive to have a growth mindset and to have more of an impact mindset and to be curious so I think if we are able to allow our curiosity to rule, if we're able, I, I also tell my students this all the time, and it's another key takeaway from today, is that the true marker of knowledge and of education is arriving with more questions than answers. And I think that really captures what we've been discussing throughout today is this whole idea of, you know, just openness and open-mindedness and what I'm writing about in my upcoming book is mental agility. So that ability to pivot and to be, and be able to be nimble and not lock down on a certain conclusion or way of being. What we really need to have are multiple ways of seeing the world and being open and letting people touch us that are different from us and shape our thinking and help us to not be so centric or just stuck in these boxed in constructions that, again, just really 
you know, kind of cut away our lifeblood and they really don't, at the end of the day, do anything that's really positive. And I think at a time more than ever, we need positivity and we need productive ways of thinking and ways of understanding ourselves and one another. Well, and I think that we need some relief, honestly, you know, relief from all this pressure. And, you know, we put the pressure upon ourselves, but we've also, I think, got to be mindful of, of how to utilize that pressure. Like that's where, like, I want to come full circle back to like the reset your stress as we, you know, as we analyze all this stuff and we give people things to think about. And, you know, I share my stories, you share your stories so people can apply them to their own life to go like, you know, asking yourself, why am I doing this is something that's new to me, but I've been really trying to practice it. Like, why does it matter, you know, that, that I have a Fitbit band in every color? Does it make me happy? Does it stress me out? Does it clutter up my bathroom? Like I've been starting to do some of this stuff, especially even with purchases, because I love Amazon. Don't get me wrong. I could spend all day cruising Amazon and eBay and, you know, some of these other Pinterest, you know, for new products, new things, but how much do we need and why are we buying it? Like, that's a big thing that has come across my desk because recently I redid my the electronics in my office. I redid the computer equipment and I was like, oh, well, I could buy this. I could buy that. I could get this. I could get that. And I got myself again into such a tizzy. And then I had to sit down and make a list of why am I getting this? What do I need it to do? And some of it was for enjoyment, but most of it was for work. But I got all caught up in all the other stuff, and it's so easy to do. Mm-hmm. It, it, there's so much bait around that hooks us in constantly. And, you know, I've been thinking so much and, and writing a lot and, and kind of to bring it back full circle, like you said, you know, when you're a conscientious person and then you end up getting these hooks in you and you get overstimulated, you get distracted from again, that core essence that allows you to have an impact-driven life. So I've been actually doing a lot with mindfulness, and mindfulness has kind of become the new kale, right? It's like super hot, it's super trendy, everybody wants it. But I think, again, just that ability to take pause, to be present with ourselves, with our own souls, with our own minds, to try to think for ourselves, to try to do some of that unlearning that I described, and then to be able to be present with each other and I think that the, it, it's so simple, but it, again, there's so much that pulls us away from that. But just being able to have that time to let our minds even regroup because they're so oversaturated and overstimulated, it really gets in the way of our thinking clarity. And when we can't think clearly, our behavior is then going to be kind of messy. You know, we're not going to be able to make rational decisions. We're not going to be able to have a well-grounded self-construction where we don't have that contingent self-esteem, but we're more grounded and we're more accepting of ourselves and one another. So I think that really is one of the greatest antidotes to perfectionism is to really think about impact, to think mindfully and to allow yourself, even if it's just while you're, it doesn't, you know, I think that's the, the key thing. It doesn't have to be that you have to go to a Zen retreat for 20 days straight. You know, it's, it's more like, on your walk into work or like in the car, can you just stop clenching and can you breathe for five minutes or can you put your phone away for 20 seconds? Those things can make a huge difference. So it's really important that we step back and we reflect on our behaviors and just see, you know, are there opportunities to make some changes? Can we delegate something? Can we not buy that new thing we think we have to have? 
And all those things really, you know, are a cumulative effect over time. When we make those types of changes, we can find ourselves more grounded. We can find ourselves in a much better place and able to maximize the chaotic energy around us that's inevitable, but also be in a, a place where we're not, um, you know, just fragmented or just in that frenzy energy mode. Right. I mean, it's 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 easy to get distracted. And like, you know, how will you talk about the things you're working on and the things you're thinking about? One of the things that I keep uh, working and thinking on is the word focus. You know, you call it mindfulness. For me, it's focus. Like, what am I focusing on? And am I present? You know, am I, you know, like, why am I here? Like, there's a lot of times I go to soccer and I walk around the soccer fields and I try to get my exercise in and then I'm on my phone and I'm like, why am I here? Well, I'm here to watch my kid play soccer so I better get my butt over there and watch soccer (laughs) and you know I think focus goes along with mindfulness and all those good things but um, I think it's really important that we have these conversations I think that there's too much yelling that gets rating and the ratings and there's just too many conversations that are not worth having and we really have to get to the marrow of where we can see ourselves make the changes that we need to make and that was the, the one of the best discoveries of my newest research is that when we do that and we become more able to be mindful and thoughtful in those ways, we then have the capacity to bring better impact. And that's where I talk about being a conscious global citizen, that it doesn't just it's not all about us. It's not self-serving perfectionism, but there's so much more that we can accomplish as human beings if we're if we're attentive to it. Excellent, excellent. We are here today with Dr. Kristen Lee. You can check her out at kristenlee.com, K-R-I-S-T-E-N-L-E-E, behavioral science author and speaker. She's an expert. She's written this book, Reset Your Stress. Get a copy of it. Look for her new upcoming books coming out. You'll be glad you did. Thanks for spending time with us today on Military Mom Talk Radio. We've got more than 200 episodes available to you anytime on iTunes or at our website, MilitaryMomTalkRadio.com. Find us on Facebook or Twitter. We look forward to another great conversation with you on Military Mom Talk Radio.